Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to the podcast Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode will see guests, co-hosts, and myself give our take on an important movie, monster, and or film, and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. Today's a really fun, kind of wide-ranging episode we're going to talk about uh, terrible toys, evil dolls, the whole shebang. Um, it's a wide umbrella, basically evil toy, uh, evil toy story time. And it, it's a wide umbrella of little variations. Uh, you have your, your Chuckies, you have your Annabelles, you have so many different things. We'll have some deep dive for you. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to cover this, this topic. And, uh, and thank you all for joining us. As always, fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, uh, everywhere your your podcasts are served, and also follow us on Twitter at HFT Deep Dive. I'm your host Jeff Ewing. I'm a critic and entertainment journalist for, for Forbes and Slash Film, and and right now I'm doing an after show on Severance, which I'll um, uh, talk about at the end of the, the episode and. Basically, if it's uh, if it's monsters, I'm obsessed with it, and uh, have probably written about it, talked about it on the show, and I'm super pleased to introduce our, uh, as always, excellent co-hosts for this episode, uh, Mike Vaughn and Andre Couture. Uh, thank up, you, gentlemen. Hey, hey, hey. So happy to to have you on to talk about these little nefarious uh, kind of beasties. Beasties in the way. They can be beasties. We can dig into the taxonomy a little bit later, folks. So it's interesting because the the uh, the notion of uh, possessed or haunted, creepy dolls and toys and whatever, um, living dolls, living toys, all those things have, have so many media variations. <coughs> Cut that cough out. Um, they have a lot of media variations. They have a lot of... Uh, different film and television adaptations. There's a whole trajectory. You can really divide it between like, well, here are possessed somethings and here are living somethings like Toy Story and Indian in the Cupboard that are just animated. And here are ventriloquist dummies, some of which are alive, some of which are like uh, the manifestation of, of someone else's psychosis. Uh, there's a lot of different wide ranging uh, interpretations and a lot of it is from just developing pathways on film and television because there there are folklore precedents but there aren't there aren't a ton you know there, it, it's not as a, a long a genre uh as as many other things are and so it's interesting to me although it is like an international genre of a, a kind of family of tales and folk tales and traditional literature. Um, 
a really famous one. Uh, some just some famous examples. You have uh, the the fairy tale, the Nutcracker and the Mouse King from 1816. It's this fairy tale by E.T.A. Hoffman, and you'd probably know it because it was the intellectual source material for the Nutcracker Ballet from Tchaikovsky, which is super famous. Uh, it's about, you know, these Nutcrackers that come alive and have their own little world. Um, so, and, and then like um, a, a really famous Italian fa- uh, fairy tale, maybe the most famous Italian fairy tale is The Adventures of Pinocchio. Uh which uh, was first published in 1883 and its author uh, Carlo uh, Clodi wrote a great deal for children, but uh, Pinocchio is uh, maybe the only one of his to have been translated into English. And it's certainly the most famous it's uh, it's about, you know, uh, maybe one of our co-hosts will get into it, but, but long story short, it's about uh, a woodworker who makes, uh, a wooden boy that becomes by magic animated and wants to be a real boy. Uh, so that's a, another famous one, like precedent literary um, in uh, Hans Christian Andersen stories. There are a couple that suggest that dolls are alive. There's one, uh, I think it's called dance dance doll of mine where this little girl is basically singing a song to like, teach her new doll and her old dolls to do this dance and they don't really do much it's super boring but but they understand this little weird song she's singing to inanimate objects so you know there's literary precedent there and then uh there's some uh, you know i've read about some some brothers Grimm, some classic russian folk tales that have uh dolls that talk to young girls but the most interesting ones I found about are, um, okay, so in, in out of Japan, there's an urban legend about Mary-san, which is supposedly a French doll who's loved by her owner and then gets lost at some point. And then one night when the owner is home alone, she gets a call from Mary-san who notifies her that she's, you know, at the city dump. And then the call is followed by more with Mary-san getting closer and closer every time until she uh, in one particular call she tells her owner to turn around and then her owner is found dead the next morning nope yeah that tale is baller that's great that is a great creepy story that's that's interesting i mean i'm always like finding myself at the city dump and just needing a ride yeah it happens you know (laughs) you're like calling for an uber but in this case uber is your former young owner you're gonna murder (laughs) um which they don't have an app for that that's a real niche market that i think that we could tap into (laughs) i need to start using one of their stamp cards like when i go to the uh the nearest city dump you know Mm -hmm. you get like five stamps and then the sixth one after that, like you get a free like dump service. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. I, I, I definitely think they're laying around. A stamp card is literally perfect. Um, we can see a pattern with all these things. It's interesting. They're they're often connected to a child's imagination, uh, good or bad. Uh, yeah. Where they, I mean, who hasn't 
pretended that some toy of theirs like treated it like it was alive and doing stuff as a kid. And so it kind of really springs out of that. Uh, on the one hand, there's this simple question of like, well, what if they were actually live? And then, you know, uh, there there's a horror variant. What if they were live? And it's just a bad fucking plan. <laughs> um, and so, you know, uh, in, in different avenues, different types of toys, different types of dolls, uh, kind of spun off in media and literature. You even have Winnie the Pooh, which is now public domain. So I could just read a whole bunch of Winnie the Pooh right now and no one's going to get mad at me. Um, by A.A. A. Milne, which, you know, start out as the, if I remember right, the stuffed animals of, of a child in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then become kind of real as he plays with them. And then famously, you also have more recently, like Calvin and Hobbes, which is incredible. Um, where Hobbes is, you know, a, a stuffed tiger. Or is he? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> He's really like a, a reanimated philosopher in the body of a stuffed tiger doll. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the, when you write Leviathan and a defensive <laughs> authoritarian nonsense, you get shoved. Your soul just goes straight to getting shoved into being like a child's plaything forever until they throw you out. <laughs> That's how That's reincarnation works, man. <laughs> exactly. I didn't make the rules. They're just the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Doomed uh, to like debate. Um, psychology and whatnot while like sledding down a hill with like a fucking six-year-old yeah exactly forever that's <laughs> oh you you want to think real hard tommy you want to think real hard this is what you get <laughs> this is canon now and i love it so much uh, but uh there's so there's so many variations uh you have you know creepy marionettes you have ventriloquist dummies that are evil. There really aren't any uh, good ventriloquist dummy living stories, really, come to think. There's like, there's never like, uh, I don't know of any stories where someone has like a ventriloquist dummy. They're like, I think he's really talking to me. I think this dummy's really alive. And that's like good things, you know? They're just like like building you up like, hey, Jeff is really great. This is the best podcast ever. You can do it, man. You can do anything you set your mind to. It's always just like, this looks like a good day, Jeff, for murder. Well, you <laughs> know, if there was like a positive uh, ventriloquist dummy like that, I think whoever it was that would have it um, would probably get super fucking annoyed by it and like just smash it to bits within like the second or third day. Which probably. is something that I would probably do too. So I'm like, yeah, come on, man, just let me have some fucking quiet and just <laughs> like, hey, you can do one more rep. Fucking, I didn't <laughs> fire my personal trainer just to get that from my dummy. <laughs> like, well, it's gonna start on. taking like little pot shots. Like, you didn't have to eat so much today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's okay. Up, you man. can walk that bloat off. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Timmy. Going to the bathroom again, huh? <laughs> oh, well, I think we invented an entirely new genre. The <laughs> horror is because of the constant and incessant never sleep support. Um, I think they're just destined to be like um, malignant influences. Yeah, I think so, one way or another, obviously. 
Um, but let's like open the floor up because a lot of the development, you know, it came from these like folktale-ish origins um, and the, the, you know, the childhood memories we all have to become like a whole, you know, thriving genre in children's literature uh, carried over to Disney and nowadays even modern, you know, relatively new franchises like Toy Story, super famous. Um we can later talk about how that new Lightyear movie confuses the living shit out of me. Um, and I got reasons, but I'm sure it's fun. I'm glad they replaced Tim Allen, but also what? Um, uh, but let's, let's first open it up to, to Andre and Mike. Are there any uh, stories or, uh, you know, film or television that really caught with you about evil dolls evil toys the whole shebang so i um so this might sound kind of like a weird uh segue but so i grew up in um rural pennsylvania and so you know dolls are creepy right uh i think what's kind of creepier is faceless dolls Ooh. and so um in the amish tradition um Dolls do not have faces, um, and this is because um, you know only God can make people, and it's it's almost sort of like a graven image. Um, oh, kind of. okay, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, so that I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, a little like fact um, that is interesting. Yeah, like my grandma was um, babysitting some Amish kids and they couldn't play with the toys because they had faces. So my grandma kind of got a cr- like a crash course on um, this this um, tradition. But um, yeah, so I always think that that's kind of like where um, like growing up seeing these like faceless dolls kind of creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Um and then as far as like movies goes, um, like Child's Play was definitely my first mm. foray into um, like, actually, I, I, I want to say that it was probably one of my first like full on horror movies that I watched because I remember like somehow like my sister's a little bit older than I am. Um, I think I was maybe like six or seven at the time. And she like somehow got a hold of the VHS tape, and we watched it while my parents were out, um, and like sc- scarred me for life. But I also like found myself like wanting more of it as well. And then, um, kind of like similar with that, like Dolls was another early one where, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was kind of awesome because. Um, it was like, oh, it was so taboo. And like, uh, again, a friend had a VHS tape that we like watch at their house w- while their parents were away. Um, well, can you is- um, uh, take a minute to explain to the folks at home what the movie Dolls is? Because Child's okay. Play, you don't really need to explain. Everybody knows they just had a series come out. But oh. I feel like that's a little bit, a little bit slightly more, more niche. Sure. Yeah. Dolls was a, um, actually it's funny cause we were just talking about this on the podcast, um, Andre and I, but it's a 1986 film that is, um, directed by Stuart Gordon. And of course everybody knows him from uh, doing reanimator and, uh, 
it's basically a child's play, but a ton of killer dolls and, and um, kind of wrapped up into this old dark house uh, scenario. Um, and then wrap that into like a fairy tale, um, a really dark fucked up fairy tale. And you have dolls. <laughs> I love it. That is the best kind of fairy tale. Um, yeah, it's got an amazing cast. Um, Guy Ralph is in it. Um, yep, the puppet master himself. Yeah, like, um, Stuart Gordon's wife, um, is in it. She's always great. She has an amazing death scene. Um, gosh, such a, so awesome. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's really awesome. It has that, like, great poster of, like, the doll holding up the eyeballs, uh huh. Um, that poster was the first thing made uh, for the film, so that informed the script and uh, how the film looks, pretty much. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. Yep. <laughs> Everyone does it's that. A great image. It's a great image. And also, you know, because one thing I've learned from Toy Stories when you have really loyal toys, they will definitely let you know if they find spare eyeballs around your house. <laughs> And I appreciate that. I don't know. And, and see, the thing is, like, okay, so I'm, like, old. So, like, you know, I, like, grew up with, like, the My Buddies, like, Teddy, was it Teddy Rockspin? Or, or, oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, they were creepy as fuck, man. Correct. Um. So, like, I feel like I kind of, like, grew up in a primer of, like, always sort of feeling like these were really grotesque uncanny uh creatures um yeah especially the ones that could talk um mm-hmm. i was like no fuck that uh, um, oh totally uh andre are there any that you would like to to mention yeah actually um it, it's interesting uh coming off of mike there where like i also had kind of a similar exposure to them but it, it was a little bit more of my own um curiosity like growing up as an only child um and especially now looking to the 90s which is where i did my spent my formulative time uh you know i um the first thing that grabs me uh in that area was um it was a little movie called small soldiers that made me um kind of like not obsessed but just like just very very interested in the concept of toys coming to life and you know uh them basically just acting out the external factions of good versus evil which is pretty much apparent in small soldiers uh but i i had seen like movies like Indian in the Cupboard and Toy Story. So it wasn't like the first movie that introduced this concept to me, but Small Soldiers was one that I really latched on to. That's a cool one. I I really, really wanted to like collect all of the toys. Um, (laughs) But like, I think I only had two, like there was the, the Lieutenant that was like dumb as bricks you know what? I can't remember his name, but uh, he had like yellow hair. He just looked like a doofy guile from Street Fighter. Love it. <laughs> uh, and then from the other side of the the toy faction, like the 
the crazy looking dude with like buggy eyes. I also don't remember his name. Uh, it's been a while, but um, it was also my first Joe Dante movie. So oh, I nice. that's pro- my enjoyment of that's probably why I love like Gremlins so much. Um, mm-hmm. Because it does make me think of that, um, like those little ankle biter uh, style um, <laughs> genre picture. It's it has that feeling for me. Uh, but I also did come into Child's Play um, pretty early into my horror uh, exposure. I would say I was like 15 or so when I first saw it. Um, but yeah, it really did have that had an even bigger um, effect on me because it took this concept that I was already familiar with. It was kind of like served as a... <laughs> a chicken soup for the soul kind of thing with like, you know, um, the possibility of toys being a good influence on your life, especially if they do come mm-hmm. alive because like they can protect you. But there is some like Chucky who will just absolutely not. So, um, yeah, it was, I think the best time for me to like learn something like that <laughs> mm-hmm. or like just because something has the capacity to do this, or anything else doesn't mean it's going to take it or um, feels obligated to. Mm-hmm. So I guess th- that's what I got from it. That's super cool. Um, I love those references. By the way, I I totally remember like going to. I never went to Blockbuster that much when I was growing up, but I went to Hastings was one in the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest that we had. And I went there all the time. I live pretty close. And I remember the small soldiers posters and VHS covers and uh, yeah, super memorable. It's like when you mentioned the guile looking one, I knew exactly. I'm like, yep. Yep. It was the one that no one bought because <laughs> yep. it was but the cheapest one. It was the cheapest one. And then also, though, like it was the one in the center of some of the most memorable posters. So it's the one that I remember. Yeah. Um, oh, um, by the way, um, and feel free to cut this out or, or not, but. I know uh, one of the co-writers, Adam Rifkin. I, I know he would probably totally be down to do the show sometime. Oh, cool. I'll have to thank would, him for helping craft my childhood. That would be you know, stellar. Sure. I would love that. Um, yeah, he seems really nice. Um, he... Uh, he reminds me, I have a lot of people to like get back to who want to do the show, but just were busy. So it's been like a few months and I should like start checking it with the people. But no, it's interesting. Like Andre, you were saying about Joe Dante, because I feel like um, in a weird way. So my first Joe Dante movie was definitely Gremlins and probably closely followed by the Burbs. Um, yeah. Cause we had, so I, I'm like convinced that we just had a random assortment of VHS tapes as a kid. And like I, yeah, like, <laughs> but I mean, but they all were like they. I guess they weren't really cult classics then, but they are kind of now. But like, um, Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, like The Burbs, um, stuff you, you like that. Garbage Pail Kids, just laying around when you were kids. Yeah, like that wow. was one of our VHS tapes that I was kind of obsessed with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm kind of convinced now. My parents just, just got random whatever looked cool, and 
like drop like it's so funny because drop dead fred's getting a lot of attention now and that was like one of our um vhs tapes um mm. also it was kind of cool because like my my so like way back when like cable was super like exclusive and stuff my dad's friend had um hbo which was such a huge deal and he would like record like stuff for us so like whenever tales from the crypt was new for example like he he knew like like my sister and i liked horror stuff um nice. so he would like record like every tales from the crypt episode for us but oh that's cool yeah, so I think that's where also where we kind of got this random assortment of tapes. But anyways, um, I feel like Gremlins was kind of a primer for like this like cute thing coming to life, and not really a doll, obviously, but like um, almost sort of like a primer like that, and you know, like the more um, like obvious like child's play, but like yeah. you know, it's something inherently creepy about this like cute yeah cuddly thing that will also turn on you and bite you in the face. Yeah. I feel like like let's pivot a second because I think you're spot on. Some of the 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 initial sort of pre horror um uh developments of, of these themes I think totally emerge from some of these like kind of creepy adjacent sometimes even unintentional things that stick with our memories. Because uh, yeah. one of the early ones that I, I I have to bring up because I just realized like, oh shit, this had a big impact on me is I've been doing this best picture rewatch for an, a big piece for slash film. that's going to come out next month. Right. Um, and I rewatched sound of music, which when I was a kid, I'd watch with my family because you know, my mom really loved it. And they have this scene where the kids do puppets uh, for the song, like the lonely goat herd and they're marionette puppets. And it always creeped me the fuck out because the way that they look is so like human adjacent, but wrong. And the proportions are off that when I was a kid, I, I liked the movie, but I thought that part was really creepy yeah it's it's almost like that uncanny valley thing where i feel like it's similar with clowns like the lizard part of our brain is like set up to recognize human features but right. when it's slightly off or maybe Wrong. disproportionate um, exactly exactly it's just like 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 wrong you know um which sends off like you know for child jeff like signals like oh that thing deserves to burn whatever that is <laughs> that goes away um and so you know there's there's that one um and then i also grew up uh watching a bunch of twilight zone episodes right mm -hmm. and there's there's three really relevant twilight zone episodes uh there's the infamous uh the dummy episode which fun fact folks at home the Twilight Zone, one of the greatest shows of all time, uh, kind of recycles material just like every other show and has two ventriloquist dummy, evil ventriloquist dummy episodes. And the more famous of the two is the dummy. And, uh, and then there's one 
called Caesar and Me, and not a bad watch. It's Twilight Zone episode, so at its worst, it's better than not watching a Twilight Zone episode. But it's kind of missable. Um, but both of those, they they weren't the first sort of evil ventriloquist dummy interpretation. Uh, the first was from this horror, like 1945 horror anthology called Dead of Night that had a possessed ventriloquist dummy storyline. And then the Twilight Zone episodes became very famous and kind of uh, fueled the the evil ventriloquist dummy movie and TV industry uh, that also was famously uh, come to influence the 1978 film Magic, where Anthony Hopkins plays a failed magician who tries out a ventriloquist act with this like jerk dummy named Fats. And then uh, it starts to take over his personality or his personality fragments. It's a little mysterious. Uh, And he just gets really, really unhinged. And there's an air of mystery to whether it's just him being off or if the dummy is uh, has got something crazy going on. Um, and then, so, like, all those really influenced me. And then, uh, so I do not like ventriloquist dummies at all. Uh, but in the best of ways, they're creepy. And then uh, another interesting Twilight Zone episode I wanted to bring up uh, is... There's this one called The Living Doll. And uh, yeah, there's this doll called Talkie Tina. And, you know, you you pull the cord and then it talks to you. And I always my my mom, when I was growing up, always loved this episode because Talkie Tina is based off of uh, a chatty Kathy doll that Mattel was popular and sold. And my mom was a very talkative woman named Kathy. And she loved that there was a chatty Kathy doll. And so she loved this episode because Talkie Tina is based off of and voiced by the same person that voiced the talk, uh, the chatty Kathy dolls. And so it's pretty obvious. And, um, the, the doll loves this girl or, or, or says, says nice things to her. But when like the, the, I think it's the father uh, pulls it, she hates the living crap out of that guy. And it, it gradually gets worse and worse and worse. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get rid of this doll. And she's like, you'll be sorry. And then <laughs> there's a really famous line. And she's like, I'm talkie Tina and I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, so fun. And then, uh, so like for me, a lot of the the influence of this came from, um, weirdly from the sound of music. And then also from these twilight zone episodes where I'm just like, oh shit, dolls are creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great episode. And it's so interesting that you mentioned, um, the voice of Taki Tina is June Foray. And, um, she actually did a lot of characters like she's probably maybe also more famous for doing like um rocky the flying squirrel and um natasha and um mm-hmm. characters for um some pretty classic disney 
um, some Warner Brothers cartoons. I mm-hmm. think she was like, what was the grandma from um, like with Tweety? Um, oh yeah, yeah, she was grandma. Did she have a name or was she just grandma? I think she was just grandma. Oh, okay. Um, oh, Granny, I guess is her like Granny. official name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, glad you mentioned oh, that. Yeah, she had a pretty. I'm just like looking up. I I know I knew she had a pretty pro- prolific career, but like I'm looking at her IMBD and it's like nearly 400 um, credits to her. Because like I had no idea really because her vocal characters are so distinct and different. Like, like you yeah. wouldn't know the same person voiced them, which is incredible. Her. IMBD goes all the way back to the late 30s and all the way up to um, shortly before she passed away in okay. 2014 or 2017. Sorry, um, she was 99. Damn. Um, I do want to point out too that in the the Living Doll episode, I think the mother's name is Annabelle. Yeah. And uh, wow. <laughs> so here's the my point. If you have an Annabelle in your life, uh, or you encounter, if you encounter a doll named Annabelle, Annabelle, just destroy it um, and run away. And then um, if you uh, encounter a person named Annabelle, anyone at all, any person in the world, and they're like, hey, I bought you this toy or doll or something like that. Just run. That it's good. They don't have bad intentions. It's gonna go awry, though. That's just yeah, science. That's... Yeah, and I love that you mentioned magic because that's another movie that I don't feel like gets talked about a lot, and it really should. Um, it's definitely. Um, I don't know. So mild spoilers. Um, for this but i feel like it's not really like if you're expecting something like like child's play i feel like you're probably going to be disappointed yeah because it's more like psychological horror you know versus child's play is an actual like the dolls possessed um i mean i what i do like about like child's play and i would say this is even like more so in the um sequel is there was um, a little bit of like psychological horror, but it also knew kind of when to walk that line of like um, leaning in on like the um, the more like fantastical, whereas like yeah. magic is is all like psychological. Like it, it's it's yeah. more I feel like akin to a thriller, um, mm-hmm. and it's definitely like a pre um, pre Hannibal uh, Hopkins sort of like, yeah. Vibing into the Hannibal role. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to watch cause he does such a good nuanced performance in it. It's really fun. And it's, uh, you know, written by William Goldman who did all sorts of amazing things. He did like all the president's men. He did, uh, he did Princess Bride and um, let's see. I'm just going to l- verify something real quick before I say it and then feel like an idiot. 
Um, yeah, so William Goldman also wrote the novel that Magic was based off of. So it's really his baby. It's extremely influential, talented uh, screenwriter, writer as a whole. Um, did Butch, Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid, you know. Um, it's just great. It's a, it's a great thing. Um, and oh, another one real quick that I want to mention. Uh, evil dolls that uh, are more mysterious. Uh, from early non-horror properties um, is Barbarella. Yeah. 68 sci-fi, like, pre-pornographic, but very, like, sex-obsessed sci-fi movie with with the lovely Jane Fonda has this scene where, so Barbarella has to, like, is, is in this, like, utopian weird society with like no weapons and like weird hand-to-hand orgasms and it's mm-hmm. just crazy bonkers nonsense all of it's crazy i love it. it it's just odd in the best of ways um so the thing that's interesting is that she lands on this planet and she gets captured a lot <laughs> for someone that is sent on these extra galactic missions and lands in this area where she is captured by basically like evil feral children. Oh yeah. And they unleash upon her these mechanical evil toys that it's not very clear if they're just like have chomping metal jaws and they're just going mindlessly forward or if they have some sentience and are just slow moving, but she's totally set upon by evil uh chomping jawed toy army that (laughs) it's just the oddest scene and i love it so much by these feral children on this ice planet yeah i i it's funny because i was gonna bring up barbarella but i wasn't sure how like left field that was but tommy knockers also if i'm remembering correctly had like some evil dolls for some reason um because i remember i remember seeing that when it first came out and like creeped the fuck out of me i was like eight at the time so um does anyone else remember that or i have not seen tommy knockers it's been on my list but yeah um Um, yeah I, i did have one that I wasn't really sure about until I was like about halfway through in terms of its relevance. Um, okay. But uh, the, what is it? The third, the, the fourth movie and this huge like franchise in name only uh, Amityville. There's a Amityville dollhouse from 1996 where Ooh. there's uh, it's, it's another Amityville horror movie with like a family moving into a new house that's just been fixed up. But this one is like completely different uh, because spoilers, the uh, entire house from previous films burned down, but only the original like fireplace and chimney remains. So it was like built around that. Oh, haunted chimney. Yeah. So it's haunted chimney and, um, they find in like an old dilapidated shed out back that there's a dollhouse that looks just like the Amityville house and it has furniture inside. 
uh, and in one of the trunks in one of the rooms, there are like a number of just like nondescript little uh, sack dolls with X's for eyes. You know, that they, they look oh, like shit. what you would think is voodoo dolls, but they're not really at all. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's more just like a variation on the theme. Yeah, I know. I, I will second Ooh. that, like, um, that one is pretty awesome, actually. That was one, another yes. one that, um, like, I feel like I, so I recorded a lot of, like, horror movies, just whatever was on cable. So, that that again is sort of like a random assortment of like things I like watched incessantly yeah. and that happened to be one of them. Um, and then um, vinegar syndrome just put that out on Blu-ray. So I did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, um, but there that's is such like, an interesting there, choice. There is an actual scene of like um, an actual doll, like causing chaos. Uh, there's, of course, there's a, a a couple that's related to them somehow. I think they're like aunt and uncle or something like that, where uh, the aunt has an occult like bookstore, um, magic curio trinkets, whatever. And they take one of these dolls and bring it to the shop and uh, they put it in the circle with like each with a lit candle at each point of the um of the pentagram and they recite some, some Latin, what have you. And like the windows start to shake and the lights flicker. And, uh, I think at one point he pierces a candle as part of the ceremony and just starts bleeding. And the, the little tiny, uh, doll just like sits up and starts like trying to kill them. And the guy just like stabs it with a, what looks like a combat knife <laughs> and he pulls it out and there's like this really weird insectoid like body just dripping with like blood and goop and Oof. he essentially kills it <laughs> but it's it, it kind of made me think a little bit of some of the imagery from from dolls um the Stuart gordon dolls where like there is a rip at one of the dolls faces and there's just like um it's just like gore and uh, blood underneath. Well, that's uh, eerie imagery. Oh. I'm so glad you brought that up, though, because I haven't seen yeah. that one. I yeah, it's it's actually really good. I, I well, recommend I it. To. Um, I I love it. I also love that we've done uh, about an hour and ha- have barely even mentioned the more common. Uh, like we 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 found deep cuts to to talk about in this episode, and I, yeah. and I always love that. Um, I do want to take a one second to talk about how creepy Toy Story is, because mm-hmm. like okay, so you have uh, you know I mean who at this point has not seen Toy Story movies? Basically, you have these toys that are discarded from their human and have to find their way back because they love their Andy. And uh, and they're like when when the, the the whole funny thing is that when a human is around, they become inert toys on purpose. It's not magical; they're like pretending, but they're actually sentient objects, 
which is uh, funny. It's clever. It's a great series of films. Very well written. It's very creepy when you think about it because they're actually properly sentient objects. They're not possessed. They're not mechanically whatever. Like even like a slinky dog is sentient, you know? Yeah. Um, That's kind of terrifying. And it also makes the Lightyear movie coming out where it's actually, so like Buzz Lightyear is one of the two key toys in Toy Story, right? And then they're making a movie with Buzz Lightyear but it's like he has this backstory about like international like he's a space ranger and uh there's this evil overlord that he's fighting well it's like and that's part of his like programmed backstory right but he's been a toy for andy since it came out of the box but according to the the but the lightyear movie looks like it is about his time as a space ranger and like now do all of these individual toys all have like little universes where their backstory is true? Cause that's even more terrifying. And is, is this a backstory that takes place in the future after toy story? How does that work? No, I don't know. I kind of think that what this is, is it's like, what's like what the toys are like subsequently based on. Like, so maybe it's the original buzz Lightyear and yeah. It's toyified. Um, okay. But you know what? What kind of like weirds me out is like, okay, so if we're accepting this premise of like, you know, some of the toys don't know that they're um, toys, but then like, do they instinctively go like inanimate? Yeah, I don't know. Um... Like that's kind of weird. Like if you don't know, if you if you think you're alive then why would you pretend to not be like right for normalcy sake yeah like is that like is that maybe like a reflex but then they can almost like they can seemingly do it on like uh from will because yeah yeah because they literally like like oh and they'll make like a thing when a kid enters or an adult enters like to do it you know and announce it so like it's something they they intend to do and then if you're you know, when you're playing with toys and you're manipulating their little limbs and you're making them do your stories and whatever as a kid, uh, these are sentient things that you're literally puppeting. So, like, are they, like, slaves? Like, Yeah, I don't know, because it seems like that ability to just, like, freeze, you know, limbs in place or whatever could be taken from a survival instinct. But yeah. then that implies a whole bunch of other things. Because, like... If you need to survive, then that means there's a predator. It is the predator, like the human that owns you. Is it other yeah. toys? Is there like a, a toy demon? Or yeah, yeah, like these questions need to be addressed. And I, I don't think that this new Buzz Lightyear movie is gonna address them at all. If in fact it might, it might just further confuse it, or it could just be like a movie that exists in universe to toy story as like yeah. something that got kids excited for the buzz Lightyear toy. Yeah. There's so more. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy cause I got to recast Tim Allen <laughs> cause he's weird. I don't, I don't know. Cause like, I'm, I, I like, uh, Chris Evans. I think he'll make a great buzz Lightyear. And I grew up with the Santa Claus and stuff like that. But like, Tim Allen has just grown to say some weird stuff online. I'm just like, okay, man, calm down. Yeah. Like you're not my hashtag, not my buzz light year. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think the movies are great, even though they're they're extremely creepy. Although Pixar's entire thing is like, what if everything was sentient? And I, I, I really do like how it's like pretty apparent that um, the like makers of Toy Story are horror fans. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you have the pretty infamous Easter egg of the um, like the Shining uh, reference with the um, the over the uh, like famous pattern from the Overlook Hotel yep. showing up in Toy Story. Yep, you you have that scene in one of the films where they're at another kid's yard and compiled together Frankenstein toys or like mm-hmm. menacing monsters yeah, for them. Yeah, Sid's toys. And, yeah, Sid's toys. Crazy. Also, I feel like Sid, like, I know I've heard this positive before, but like, I feel like Sid was just super creative and trying to make his own toys and not like... Yeah. yeah. He was just I, unaware I, of like yeah. the apparent reality in, in Toy Story that like he was unknowing uh, unknowingly just like enacting cruel experiments on his toys like and didn't know that they were sentient yeah and right then, you know i don't blame him for that it's like I, like we've probably all done that yeah yeah no and i also think that like because the the their visages are are horrifying to the protagonist toys but we come to find out that they're not actually menacing it's just they've been the subject they're like the escaped subjected experiments kind of mm-hmm. of this kid who didn't know what he was doing to them it's shot like a horror movie but then the <laughs> yeah. perspective kind of changes yeah. you know so you know okay hashtag sid did no wrong no. <laughs> In fact, um, I, I, I would blame like the 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 main characters from toy story like you know woody buzz uh, etc all um, because like they treat these toys as if they're uh, true monsters, and, and like yep. they're the only people. Well, okay, I'm lumping toys in with people here for the sake of argument. Um, they're the only people who can uh, like give them any sort of reception that would like point them in a direction of uh, acting out like maybe an yeah. evil impulse or a true like lawful good impulse or what have you. Sure. Um, so it's really they're like Woody and the gang's fault for um, just reacting so uh, viscerally to them. Yeah, they're like, stereotyping victims. Creating them. Yeah, they make them into the monsters that they're afraid of That's themselves. True. So That's these true. toys ain't all that great. Also, thank you. Also, I'm kind of it's it's like knowing that the creators are obviously like horror fans. Do you feel like? Andy is a reference to Child's Play. Absolutely. Especially 100%. when like he writes his name on the bottom of the foot of Woody. That's what he does with yeah. uh, with Chucky, right? Yep. Yep. I'm, I, I did a, like, uh, a Child's Play rewatch the, the other day for the first like four or five of them for Halloween. And yeah, the parallels are yeah. uncanny. Definitely intentional. Also, can I just say that the opening of Child's Play 2 is fucking perfection it's good the first two child's play movies are sorry to interrupt you andre i didn't mean to i'm just really excited no i was just chiming in it's it's one of my favorite sequels yeah yeah yeah. because when i watched the first two child's play movies uh i hadn't seen them in a while and i was the first one is great 
Mm-hmm. It is a genuinely good like film film. And then it's very cleverly filmed, like the actual animation of the doll and and mm-hmm. and the way they fold it in the story is really good for 1988. Like it's good for now. They did a great job. And then the sequel, also stellar. Mm-hmm. The kid who plays Andy is such a talented little actor. And they put love into their animation of the doll and its use in the frame. And they're really good movies. The first two, at least, are great. Yeah. Also, I, uh, Garrett Graham and Child's Play 2. Like, you, you yes. can't go wrong with Garrett Graham. Dude, I got to meet I'm him, saying. and he was so nice. Cool. Oh, that's good. Um, I feel like we, like, I feel like it's sad that we only talk about people when they're, like, when they passed away. But, like, yeah. Garrett Graham, some love because. Yeah. God damn it, is he an icon? Yeah. Like a great character actor, too. Yeah, I mean, the one the one cool thing is, I felt like um, just, like, observing people at his table, like, I, he certainly knows that he has a fan base, which is cool. Um, That's good. But, like, it was the same with, like, Agnes Grimm. Like, it was so funny. Like, people were so, like, rightly so enamored with him, but he was, like, one of the sweetest like soft-spoken guy that's cool because he has just had such a persona like he had so much charisma on screen um i love it well i i know that andre i know you don't have all the time in the world uh but i feel like we've touched base on a lot of really iconic different sentient toys possessed toys with chucky um you know different variations on a theme ventriloquist dummies marionettes uh even got to talk about pinocchio for a hot minute uh are there any themes before we we conclude that that really you know deep dive portion touch to like uh, interest y'all or or any aspects that you think like really grab you well i was thinking more about um the in talking about like the toys from toy story and before like taking that innocent notion of like curiosity and turning that into um a a tool for digging into fear and horror and one of those i think Mm -hmm. that does it relatively well by bridging the two worlds is um going back to uh Charles Band here, but uh, his Puppet Master series actually does evoke that that sort of um, that light sense of childlike wonder with yeah. uh, the sensibility for something a little bit more gruesome, especially uh, leaning towards the gruesome. Um, where the first Puppet Master movie is is basically. Uh, another old dark house set up just like dolls where mm-hmm. um, it's just a bunch of random people um, in like a hotel for an event or something like that. Um, and they're just getting uh, targeted one by one by this um, kind of like a, not really a rogues gallery. I, I guess it is a rogues gallery for the first one. Um, where they're just being targeted by different puppets that have been imbued with um, the titular puppet master's power. And like, he mm, was like a, mm-hmm. a French um, 
uh, artist and well puppet maker that was fleeing the Nazis uh, World War II. Yeah. And uh, I think they got to him, but he had some sort of um, like backup plan to put a curse or like some sort of magic property on his little puppets so that they would do his bidding if they uh, ever came uh-huh. into contact with an evil force like that again. Um, yeah. And they, they do some damage for sure. I mean, I don't know how many puppet master movies there are now. There's so, so many, but like, I would honestly point to the first two as being probably the best in the series. Um, cool. And I mean, I would be remiss if I don't give a shout out to my favorite puppet uh, from puppet master two. And that's leech lady. Yes. Leech lady is my absolute favorite. Um, so each puppet has their own like, uh, thing you know everyone knows blade he's like the the little dude with the hook for a hand he's got yep. a, a knife arm he's got a cute little fedora <laughs> with like a, a he's a stylish jacket, little thing which i found out he was modeled after klaus kinski so there, there you go <laughs> uh, well little Cla- i'll call him oh, little klaus now that would make sense because klaus. didn't um didn't uh was it david schmoller that directed him and that like um, cross space. Yeah. And there's like, it's pretty infamous, but like, um, David literally said he wanted to kill. Yeah. Well, uh, the actual, the production company, like they were having such a hard time with them because he was being a complete asshole to everyone during production, like holding up filming too. And they were like, you know, we might even be able to, um, just scrap this movie idea. If we, we mm-hmm. kill him we can you know make money on the insurance policy and david schmuller is like <laughs> i'm really tempted but uh no <laughs> so yeah, yeah that was all happening i don't think kinski even knew really about it uh i, I do want to give us a shout out to an earlier episode almost uh, uh last april we actually had a special episode with alan maxson who's a creature performer that has played famously both uh, one of the King Ghidorah heads in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and also Blade in the recent Puppet Master films. That's right. Yeah, um, I did watch that one. That was pretty good. Um, Thank you. It was uh, Blade the Iron Cross, right? Yes, like a that is correct. Yeah, no, I dug it. And uh, Alan, great job. I, I knew exactly what shots you were in. Yeah, uh, stellar. stellar. Uh, he was so good on the show, too, I should... Yeah. Uh, it would be fun um, to have awesome. him back. Maybe do a puppet master thing or something. It would be. It would be really fun. Um, I want to give two quick shout outs to, because uh, one of those touches based on themes. Um, one cosmic horror kind of aligned author that folks at home might want to check out is uh, Thomas Ligotti. If you've ever checked out his stuff, he has uh, you know, all his stuff is influenced by kind of this cosmic pessimism which is appropriate to cosmic horror where we're just kind of like uh, subject to the whims of all these forces that are vaster and grander than ourselves. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because his stuff is really like in the cosmic horror vein usually, but it's not like Lovecraft. It's, it's its own thing. And he uses puppets a lot in, um, uh, in his work because 
it kind of sticks with his philosophy because we're he uses pub they're both stories that literally have puppets in them uh like i think there's a clown puppet one if i remember right that's real creepy double whammy then yeah super creepy but then he also likes to use puppets because it's a metaphor for like against these massive terrors that are vast and beyond us we're basically like puppets instead of agents and so it's also like a cosmic horror metaphor that he likes to draw on so uh i like that aspect of it too that like a puppet is a string puller and you'll see that uh is is excuse me a puppet is something that has its rhetorical strings pulled or that is controlled by uh something else and you'll see that in some of the things we've talked about like with uh some of the terrors of ventriloquist dummies you know um and then you'll have dead silence which i don't want to spoil the ending but it's very much in this vein of strings being pulled on people and uh it's just an interesting riff thematically on the material um and so one of the things that I like is there, there's this always um, this interesting element, like this d- dialogue or discussion around agency in a lot of these works. Like, you know, like we talked about the, the, the personhood of the Toy Story toys that are sentient and have their own thing and what that means. If you really think about the world, which you shouldn't because it ruins it or, or um, you know, stuff like magic twilight zone episodes uh puppet master all have these things that are imbued by agency but are they pulling the strings are there strings being pulled like and conceptually i find that sort of stuff fascinating because i overthink things that's why i have this show um yeah yeah um, one thing I will add for the Puppet Master series is it actually does address uh, the agency of the puppets as like an independent force. Um, in like the fourth or fifth movie, uh, well, the ones called Puppet Master four and five, uh, there's sure. there's another puppet that just exists somehow. Um, it's explained away, but uh, it happens. It's called Decapitron, which is. Uh, a name that was recycled along with many, many other names in the Charles band verse uh, where (laughs) it's like a, it's a puppet with like a metallic head and Mike will love this. No face, which means it's totally (laughs) Amish safe for all those Amish kids listening out there. uh, Whenever it's a hundred years since podcasts have been invented um, where uh, it takes the face of the titular puppet master named Andre Toulon. Um, and he mm. gives them orders and like tells them, you know, like protect this person. Like he is the new puppet master, destroy evil, you know, whatever that you need. It's very power Rangers, like in, in a way where like <laughs> he's there's Zordon and Decapitron is like the one that gives out the orders. But like this puppet master dude is like, he's old and he's frail, even in puppet form. He can't really, do a lot so he's really a delegator um and a commander um but um it it does go back and inform that like uh he does uh like poke them every once in a while and like lets them know 
if they're straying from the path or if they need to uh, continue on their on their merry okay. way to kill evil. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't think I've seen that one, but now I kind of want to watch it. It's um, it's okay. Like if you're gonna do like four and five, I would recommend just like making it one experience because it's pretty much one story that they just cut in half. It's like the cool. uh, Avengers that Infinity War something. Endgame stuff that they pulled. Yeah, yeah. So they could sell okay. more tapes or something. Yeah, or like the uh, the Hobbit movie's existence. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is one story. We want it to be three, but it's one story. But we'd like it to be three for money. But <laughs> it's only one fucking book. Yeah, but what if there was three for more money? It's it, the Hobbit movies are as bloated as a as a Hobbit stomach after both first, <laughs> second breakfast, tea, lunch, and eleven Z's. Folks <laughs> <laughs> at home, I'm sure you had that prepared at some point because that's yeah. a brilliant analogy. <laughs> and if you disagree, I don't care. <laughs> Those movies are so bad. Yeah, you know, I know, um, I know, Andre. I know you have to go, but uh, I've loved this discussion. Um, uh. I feel like this is a good place to wrap and we've talked about so many things that I really care about. So, um, Mike, uh, how can the folks at home, uh, find you and your, your, your lovely stuff? Yeah. So, uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at strange cinema 65. Um, you can f- find my book, the ultimate guide to strange cinema on Amazon. And, uh, as Andre has mentioned, um, we do a, um, Andre and I do a, uh, show on youtube called return of the living geeks um so just type that in on uh youtube and um we also have um some others i i also have some other stuff going on at geek vibes nation um which is just geek vibes podcast on youtube um so definitely uh check that out uh andre floor is yours okay uh you can find me on Twitter at Demoni Disco, that's D-E-M-O-N-I Disco, and I also go to Letterboxd, so you can find me there under the name Hamburger Harry. Uh, I have a film blog at Medium.com called Celluloid Consomme. Um, I'm not as active there now because I've been writing for uh, Geek Vibes Nation along with Mike Vaughn, and we... Are having some fun there. So anyway, um, <laughs> I'll cut that part out. That was dumb. Um, <laughs> I've I've got a few articles on there. Um, I was lucky enough to cover the the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out. So my review of that is up there as well as uh, Next Generation, and uh, I've got more stuff coming through there. Plus. Um, Mike and I have been doing some video podcast episodes under his show, Return of the Living Geeks. Uh, we've got a few episodes there and actually some, some more in the pipeline right now. So uh, if that sounds cool, you should check it out. It's on YouTube, Geek Vibes Nation, Geek Vibes Podcasts, uh, Return of the Living Geeks. Love it. Uh, folks at home, I, I would advise you do that. They pump out some great stuff there, just like they do here. And um, when they get overwhelmingly astronomically huge, I'm going to just like cry one noble tear down my cheek. 
we'll what save a, um, uh, a moment of silence for you on our show. I love it. And uh, folks at home, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Real Jeff Ewing, uh, at R E L Jeff Ewing. Um, and I, I always uh, post my stuff from Slash Film or, or Forbes. And uh, you can also find me here. And you know that because you already did. So thank you for spending some time hanging out with us and talking all those creepy crawly little dolls and whatever form dolls and toys whatever form they take and um when you're if your kid brings home an annabelle anything send it to the trash (laughs) that's all i have to say to warn you thank you for spending a little time with us humanoids once more i'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening From the dawn of record human civilization, we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization. The need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.